Hello, heathens, and welcome to Spinning the Wheel podcast. I'm your host, I think, Megan Angus, <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> and this week we will be tooting and booting the looks from, sorry, <laughs> we will be discussing this um, uh, luscious, juicy, badonkadonk dump truck of a full moon slash partial lunar eclipse in Taurus and this is Samhain season full moon in Taurus lunar week 39 by some lunar calendars around the planet uh all right let's get into it we have a lot to talk about surprise surprise um first off let me uh say that uh I have a special podcast audio guide ritual consideration <laughs> whatever uh on my patreon for everybody subscribed at the five dollar and up level that is an overview of the magic of the eclipse the astronomy of it an overview of the nodes because the nodes are intrinsically connected to our eclipse seasons um as well as some journaling prompts for you um, based on what house or houses this eclipse is happening for you in compared to your natal chart. Um, eclipse magic and uh, some other good stuff. So yeah, that's up on my Patreon. Uh, $5 and up. Enjoy. There's that. Okay, on with the podcast. Um, we are in Samhain season. We are really quite in the thick of Samhain season. For a lot of folks, uh, especially when they first get involved with working the Wheel of the Year and um, really like getting deeper into witchcraft and paganism and uh, goddess worship and things like that, Samhain, Halloween, um, is a night maybe a weekend, right? It's a, it's a very small chunk of time. Um, and it's specifically October 31st, November 1st, maybe November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, you know, but it's really right, right there. For me, really the whole month of November and into the beginning of December is Samhain season for me. Um, and uh, that carries us all the way through Scorpio, but it also carries us through the majority of Sagittarius as well. And there's an energy there. So, um, yeah, anyways, Samhain season, um, really brings us into a conversation around, uh, the life, death, rebirth process, working with our ancestors, working with fate and divination, um, and uh, asking for guidance and looking for the signs and all of that stuff, as well as, you know, as we uh, have talked about on the podcast quite a bit, watching the physical earth die uh, in the Northern Hemisphere and um, really move away from being this incredibly abundant, verdant, luscious body that was just giving, giving, giving into a body that's like, I'm not really concerned with your physical well-being. <laughs> Good luck out there, kid. Um, so it, it, it's potent for us. It hits us on a very deep biological level because, you know, we've been living on this planet a long time, our species. <laughs> Maybe the whole time, even. <laughs> 
Um, and so when we look at these pagan rituals and pagan festivals uh, from this time of year, they really are centered around witnessing this experience, witnessing this massive shift in the physical world. Um, and when we look around at the global festivals, whether they are ancient or modern, it's the same stuff. Beginnings and endings, transformations, big time, um, fate and rites of passage, sex, death, and chaos, um, you know, and, and it's it really is like, hey, the the natural order is breaking down, like really breaking down. Wow. Even the sun is not getting as high in the sky as it usually does. What is happening? What is going on? Um, and all of our uh, rituals and myths and holidays and festivals that we have uh, connected to this time of year are really an attempt for us uh, as a species to kind of grapple with and to try to make sense out of chaos that seems to be encroaching closer and closer to us here on the physical plane. So one of the things that we also see a lot of in uh, festivals that happen at this time of year is a very strong insistence of the idea of good over evil. And that is a very particular paradigm. And a lot of us don't work with that duality paradigm, but a lot of us do. And so we want to be aware of that. <laughs> um, but sort of the shifting on the spectrum of like things that are easy and seem to be in our benefit shifting into things that are hard and seem to be apathetic to what would be in our benefit or even are against or somehow working away from what would be in our benefit. Um, and that uh, wears on us psychologically, it wears on us emotionally. Um, that's a lot of what is happening for folks, uh, well, sort of, um, who experience seasonal affective disorder. It's literally the diminishing of the light makes it more and more difficult for their bodies to um, produce uh, serotonin, um, which is sort of our give a shit chemical <laughs> that our body produces this so that we'll wake up every day and give a shit. <laughs> um, and it, it, it wears on us. And it's important to understand that because we are in a time for our species right now on this planet where there already is a whole bunch of stuff pressing on us and and making it hard and making it a bummer. Um, so we want to just like be dialed in with the fact that, um, you know, as we move into fall and as we move towards winter, um, there already is a biological leaning here to peer long into the darkness. Um, and that is extra, extra heightened by the times that we are living in right now. So be kind with yourself. I keep saying that every week, but I really want to stress it. November's astrology is tough, um, but life is tough. The astrology could be fantastic and, and life on earth is hard right now. Um, so just really, truly be kind to the people that you love, be kind to your neighbors. Um, you know, if you've got enough money to, uh, go out to dinner twice this week, go out to dinner once this week and absolutely buy dinner for the person on the corner once this week, do it. 
Um, and don't Instagram it. Don't tell anybody about it. Just do it because it needs to be done <laughs> because that person is hungry, literally. Um, don't ask them if the food tastes good. Just hand them the food, say thanks, neighbor, have a great night, and make sure they got extra napkins and walk away. Unless you want to sit and eat dinner with them and have a conversation with them like you would any of your other neighbors. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm kind of going off the rails here. Surprise, surprise. Um, all right. Let's actually get into the stuff. Um, uh, okay. This is something that I usually say at the end, but I wanted to say it at the beginning this week because I really want to hone in on this. The lunar phases that we are moving through this week are starting in Taurus and we move through to Virgo. And this is really about embodying the current season on Earth. Um, because these are Earth signs, right? Taurus and Virgo, both Earth signs, and they trine each other. So there is this whole encouragement from the start of the week to the end of the week of like, man, we got to really come into the body with whatever our process is. Like, it can't be abstract anymore. It can't be intellectual. It can't be emotional. It can be, but it also primarily needs to be physical. Um, and also moving out of the fixed signs, Taurus, into the mutable signs, Virgo, um, next, uh, next, you know, moon, moon, new moon, uh, is going to be in Sagittarius and that's a mutable sign. And so the, um, so Virgo is also saying, Hey, it's about to, we're about to move into the last month of fall as we move through Sagittarius season. And uh, it will be time to move into the transitional energy of fall into winter um, and our true underworld journey trip uh, and, and coming back from that trip, our three-day death, <laughs> that thing. So this week is really kind of like initiating and opening and closing some doors and some energies in a bunch of different ways um, in the lunar phases themselves as we move from Taurus through to Virgo, as well as the lunar nodes, because this eclipse is sort of the signaling of the opening of um, uh, the Taurus-Scorpio axis of lunar nodes, eclipses that we're going to be experiencing over the next year and a half to two years. So <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> okay, this week starts with a full moon slash partial lunar eclipse in Taurus at 12.57 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else around the planet. Um, this is uh, the longest lunar eclipse, partial lunar eclipse that we've had in like 600 years. The actual moment of the like deepest level of the eclipse will last for a few minutes, maybe a minute and a half to two minutes. Um, but the entirety of the earth shading the moon, um, it lasts uh, like six hours or something like that in total. So you've got a long time to see something happening. Um, but because it is a partial lunar eclipse, it's not going to be complete, um, obviously. Okay. So uh, as I said before, I have a podcast up, an extra podcast just for my patrons um, that's, that's talking about the magic of the eclipse itself 
um, and how to work with this energy uh, and history around that and all of that stuff. But TLDR, um, I mean, I talk about this, but I talk about a lot more. Surprise, surprise. Working with an eclipse is kind of some folks say yes, some folks say no. Some folks are like, absolutely, you've got the um, uh, sun and moon in alignment. And then other folks are like, no, you know, they're in opposition. People are, are, are like elements here are being occluded or shaded or shadowed in some way, blocked out. Um, and then other folks are like, yep. And because this thing is blocked out, you can now see and access these other things that normally wouldn't be. So it, it you know, buyer beware, your mileage may vary, etc. But what I will say is... Um, that the, the full moon in Taurus absolutely brings us into the body. The moon is exalted in the sign of Taurus as well. Um, and, uh, and so the focus for this moon is the body, the body, the body, the body, the body, the physical plane. You might sleep through the entire thing. Great. Awesome. <laughs> it might be a really fantastic night to do a spa night for yourself. Um, it might be a night of eating delicious and decadent food. Uh, it might be a time period that kicks off for you where you have an acute focus on your physical health. Um, it, I, you really can't overstate how much this moon is about the body and the physical body and the needs of the physical body and the needs of the physical plane. You might really, really need to just like clean, deep clean your house um, or reorganize things in like a really heavy duty way in your house um, or in your physical world. Uh, you might be doing a lot of yard work, you know, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. Um, it also is about addressing the needs of other people's bodily needs. And yes, their emotional needs are important too, but the, um, but the physical world is the big deal here. And something, looking at the rest of the astrology of this week, that I want to say to us all, us all, me included, um, lovingly and respectfully, we need to be we need to stop being so fucking precious when it comes to the physical world and like actually get in, like get it on us. We need to get into our lives, like actually come into our lives and really be here now. <laughs> um, really be in our bodies and be in this physical place. See it for what it is in all of its horror and all of its glory and exaltation um, and really be in it and allow it to physically affect you and physically connect with you. Um, our, our abstract emotionless hands off way of dealing with things in the world is not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. We got to get in there and do the thing. Okay. When we are working with our lunar body, with a full moon in Taurus, we are activating, awakening, adorning, stimulating, and nourishing for action, as well as resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, or otherwise restoring our ears, our mouth, our throat, um, our ears, nose, throat systems, our eating and digestion tools, and our speech and hearing tools. Uh, we might be 
working with our voice on this moon as well. Um, all of that stuff, whatever that looks like for you. As I say every week, I am not a physical doctor. I am a doctor of the moon and stars. Um, please get with your trusted health advisor if you would like to integrate any of my information into your uh, health care patterns. All right. Um, for our plant body work with our full moon in Taurus, we are planting, transplanting, and grafting, especially to support above or below ground growth, really kind of all of the above because it's a full moon. Um, and then a few hours later, the moon enters Gemini. And so we move very quickly from this super earthy, um, super physical world, physical body focused energy with this full moon partial lunar eclipse in Taurus into Gemini. Um, and it, it's a little whiplash. So you might want to just like let it happen and then go to sleep and then later <laughs> come back and be like, oh, it's in Gemini. Okay, let's do the Gemini energy now. You might want to save that Gemini energy moon work until a day later because you definitely have a couple days to work with it but it does come on very quickly after the full moon slash eclipse um and so when we enter into gemini it's uh 6 32 a.m pacific standard time later in the day for everybody else this moon is calling us to consider um, a really important process. This is absolutely tied to our lunar node work that we are doing. We are considering all that we have learned about the nature of truth and falsity in information and wisdom sources that we participate with. This is a huge conversation. Um, but it is one that is coming to a close in a fashion as the nodes move out of Gemini and Sagittarius and into Taurus and Scorpio. This waning Gemini moon is asking you to compare these different points of view on subjects and the sources those points of view originate from and really consider what has been the impact on your life by choosing to believe or not believe in one piece of information or another. And wow, what a question to consider and what a conversation to have with yourself, especially when we consider what life has been like on earth over the last year and a half to two years, right? Holy moly, misinformation, disinformation, you know, in trusted information sources suddenly are revealed to be funded by this group or that group, et cetera, et cetera, right? Lots and lots of that stuff has been happening all across the spectrum of political belief, um, political opinion, um, medical opinion, like, et cetera, right? Like, like all across the spectrum. There's folks on the left, there's folks center, and there's folks on the right who all have you know, really committed themselves to very specific sources of information and have also rejected very specific sources of information uh, based on things that have come to light or based on things that they believe to be true, whether they are true or not. So consider that stuff, right? And then, and so there's, there's half of the conversation here is considering 
um, you know, the impact on your life by choosing to, um, you know, uh, uh, listen to one source of information versus a different source of information. And then think about the other portion of that conversation is considering the effects of believing in or choosing not to believe in wisdom sources that maybe you were handed or that have been presented to you in this world and what effect that process has had on your life, especially over the last year and a half to two years, right? So on one hand, we have information sources on one, and then on the other hand, we have belief systems and things that we have maybe wanted to believe in, things maybe we wanted to believe were true about ourselves. But once we began to examine those beliefs, we were like, this is kind of faulty. This has got some holes in it. I got issues here. This isn't true. It's not working. <laughs> this is actually built on an even deeper, more harmful false belief about the world or people like me, quote unquote, right? Like that stuff. That has been a super tough process for lots of us. Um, and so just witnessing how far you have come in that process and what, you know, what are you beginning to sort of see ripen in that process? That's really, really important stuff. Okay. As we are working with our waning moon in Gemini for our lunar body, we are nourishing, relaxing, resting, supporting or otherwise restoring our shoulders, our elbows, our wrists, our hands, and our arms. And for our plant body work, we maybe are doing some late fall harvesting. Maybe. Um, we're definitely looking for pests. We're checking for disease on our plants. Maybe we're plowing and weeding outdoors. Um, and this is all as well for below ground uh, support for the root support and all of that stuff. And we don't have any astrology of note for this day. <laughs> I think we've had plenty with the moon, right? So kind of nice that the stars are like chill. Um, so very quickly for our holy days on this day, uh, we have Kartik Purnima happening for our Hindu friends and ancestors. This is a, a regional uh, continuation or extension of Diwali or Dipavali uh, festival time. Um, that, again, is one of the four Hindu New Years. It's probably the most important slash widely celebrated, probably. Mm. Um, there's definitely another one that's also very important in the other half of the year, but this one's kind of a big deal too. So this is just a regional continuation of that stuff going on. And from our Thai friends and ancestors, we have Loi Krathong, and this is a festival of lights for the Mekong Ka, a river goddess, and um, the water spirits that are celebrated in Thai culture and Thai Buddhism. Um and so here again, we have another river goddess, another water goddess slash river goddess being celebrated. We've had one of those basically every week throughout Samhain season, right? So something to that. Okay, let's move on to November 20th. All right, November 20th, we still have our waning moon hanging out in Gemini. That's important because for the astrology of this day, we have... Mercury, the ruling planet of Gemini, in Scorpio, square Jupiter in Aquarius at 24 degrees. Oh, a square! Actually, this is a really fortunate transit 
for the most part, if we can wrangle ourselves. That's always the thing when it comes to a Jupiter transit, right? It's like, can I contain it? <laughs> can I deal with myself? Um, but yeah, generally speaking, this is a fortunate transit. This is a great day for making big plans, setting long range goals, looking at the big picture, because we feel super optimistic and we can kind of see the hope. <laughs> we can kind of feel the hope and, and the potential in a, in a situation. Um, it's easier to see the big picture on this day, potentially. Um, we might be inclined to think in more like ideal or abstract terms, especially with Jupiter being in Aquarius, but our foresight is really sharp. So yeah, I'm looking at the big picture, but I'm actually seeing a lot of the details of the big picture and how all of those things fit together. If there is a negative side to this, as it, or hard side, as I said, it's really about wrangling ourselves when it comes to Jupiter. And so it's, you know, it can manifest as like being too sloppy, being too arrogant in our thinking, like over, over assuming kind of a thing, um, overlooking really important details, or being unwilling to slow down and correct problems at the beginning. There can be a lot of like, oh, I'll figure that out later. And it's actually potentially even more magically potent, like when the problem comes up to take the time to fix the problem under this transit, rather than to assume later I can fix it and I'll worry, not worry about it. Like utilizing this transit to correct problems can be even more powerful than just planning for the future. So if you take a moment and decide, hey, I'm going to like draw out a big picture, but -da -da -da. and in your drawing out of your big plan, your big picture, you start to see problems, it might be more potent in that moment to stop working on the big plan and take a, take a minute to try to work on the, the smaller immediate problems. Um, could be more magically potent. All right. I feel like I just said that twice, but... <laughs> I really, really mean it. <laughs> all right. That's pretty much all that we have happening for the lunar and the astrology on this day. Um, and so for our holy days of November 20th, we have the culmination of Transgender Awareness Week with Transgender Remembrance Day. This is a global holiday that celebrates um, and holds a moment of reverence and memory for our trans brothers, sisters, and others <laughs> um, who have uh, perished um, against their will uh, in the onslaught of the patriarchy as it attempts to uh, you know, wipe away all traces of um, anything that is not a straight white Christian male. Sorry, guys. It's kind of the truth. Um, so this is a day to take a moment to remember all of our trans family and friends who um, have suffered uh, at the at the um, crushing onslaught of patriarchy. Also on this day, we have the Feast of Christ the King from our Catholic friends and ancestors. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Uh, and also on this day, we have a feast of uh, Archangel Michael, Machael, um, that old ham. Uh, <laughs> um, Michael is uh, the angel of the West. Um, 
He oversees souls, kind of an important character in um, magic and hermeticism, as well as for uh, Catholic folks. Um, but actually, a lot of folks work with the archangels, Michael or Michael in particular. Uh, Muslims work with this archetype. Um, uh, Baha'i members as well, I believe. Um, lots of folks. Really, really important character. But oversees uh, the West and sort of the entrance of souls into the afterworld. Perfect timing for this time of year. Um, this is one of several... Um, uh, this is one of several holidays dedicated to the Archangel Michael that we see at this time of year. There's a whole bunch of them that run from September through now. And there's a few others throughout the year. Like there's one in May and I think maybe one in February. But uh, yeah, like this is an angel that gets celebrated a lot as we move through the beginning and middle of fall. All right, let's move on to November 21st. All right, November 21st, we have just a few little things going on. Not such a big deal. <laughs> First off, we still have our waning moon hanging out in Gemini for the majority of the day. Um, pretty much all of the rest of the day for nearly everybody around the planet. At 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the moon moves into Cancer. So that's basically the next day for everybody else um, pretty late in the evening. So I'm going to talk about our Cancer moon work for on November 22nd in just a few minutes. So there's that. But astrologically speaking, what else do we have happening? Well, A, the sun enters Sagittarius for our tropical astrology fans, Western astrology fans. I'm not really supposed to talk about this, but like, you're cool. And let's just keep this between us. But Sagittarius is the it's the best sign. I know we're not supposed to say that there's a best one, but there is, and it's Sagittarius. I didn't, uh, you know, really know that um, until I fully came into being a Sagittarius, and then I was like, oh, this is actually the best sign, isn't it? Okay, just, you know, forewarned is forearmed. Now you know I'm super biased. I love being a Sagittarius. Um when the sun is in Sag, it's going to be in Sagittarius for everyone in various houses, obviously, our view begins to broaden. Um, we begin to take in the bigger picture and we become a bit more explorative and expansive in our attitude in general about life. Um, we might be altogether more generous and more optimistic in how we deal with experiences and people and various situations, which is one of the coolest things about being a Sagittarius. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is going to be especially obvious in whatever house or houses the sun is passing through as it's hanging out in Sagittarius. So you want to just take a look at your natal chart, figure out what that is. Um, one of the most useful ways that you can use this solar transit is to really consider a lot of the hard work that we talked about last week and a lot of the hard work that we're talking about this week when it comes to the moon in terms of the things that it's asking us to consider and think about and do, but try to be as optimistic and hope-filled as we can be when we have those questions with ourselves. And instead of thinking about 
why or what if or you know like what's going wrong think about why not think about um you know really inviting in not even just a daydream but a vision of what could be and you have a month more or less to work with the sun in Sagittarius so don't think that this is something that has to happen overnight or you know in a particular like moment or whatever you've got 30 days more or less to hang out with the sun in Sagittarius in whatever house that is in your chart so there's all that okay while that's happening we also have Mercury and Scorpio sextile Pluto in Capricorn at 24 degrees. And this is a fantastic transit for solving puzzles or penetrating below the surface layer of reality to really get to the core of truth. Um, like where all real knowledge is. <laughs> and Sagittarius is like, yes, absolutely. Let's expand our understanding of truth. And Mercury plus Scorp excuse me, Mercury in Scorpio plus Pluto in Capricorn is like, absolutely, let's get to the depths of things. Let's go to the, the deep heart of our knowledge around a thing. Um, this is a great day for occult study of any kind <laughs> or to kick off a process of occult study of any kind. Um, this transit enables you to teach others the valuable truths that you have learned. Um, if there's a hard part to this, uh, we can get real stubborn and um, like super overly concerned about being correct and being perceived as being correct. Um, that's the, the tough part of sort of wrangling Mercury and Pluto hanging out together is like, no, I'm telling you the truth. This is, this is the right thing. This is correct. You know, and like getting really flustered over that whole situation, getting very possessive of the truth. Um, and when we find the answer to a question, we might be like really, really passionate about uh, telling everybody, this is the truth. I have answered the question. I've figured out the puzzle. I've solved the problem. Arr, listen to me. So uh, we may have like a super strong urge to persuade people or to propagandize or to try to change people's thinking on this day. So um, if that is work that you feel like you're being called to do, that's fantastic. But if you find yourself arguing on behalf of something and you're not even invested in it, it might be just like a moment to pull yourself back and be like, why am I so freaked out about this right now? Is this even my argument to have today? Or is this my argument to have? And today I'm feeling it. And <laughs> like, you're going to hear it from the depth of my soul, why this is my truth. Um, that stuff. So there, there's our lunar and there's our astrology for this day. Let's now get into the holy days of November 21st. All right, for our holy days on November 21st, we have, starting off, kicking off with <laughs> the heliacal rising of the fixed star Ptolemy, a.k.a. Alpha Centauri. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, this is the brightest star in the constellation Centaur. This is the third brightest star in the night sky, and this is the closest star to our solar system. Aside from our sun, obviously. <clears throat> it is situated on the left front hoof of the Centaur Chiron. 
the name Toloman comes from the, the Arabic al-Zuman, which means the ostriches, but it's also sometimes called regal Kent or Bungula uh, or Bungula. I'm not sure. Uh, regal Kent is the romanticization of the Arabic regil quanturis, which means the foot of the centaur. Also on this day, we have three Roman holidays, not like that, the other kind. From November 22nd through 25th, we have Mercatus number three. Uh, from our Roman friends and ancestors. Uh, we've talked about the Mercatus before throughout the year. There's one that happens in spring, there's one in summer, and here's this one that happens here at the end of fall. Uh, what is the Mercatus? This is the Mercatus plebi or plebeia, uh specifically. It's enforced shopping. So Black Friday, literally that, literally that. Yes, 2,000 years ago, plus, they were doing it then, too. They've been pulling this shit for a long time, you guys. you got to be paying attention. you got to be sharp, because it's, it's, it's bad news bears out there. Uh, the Mercatus literally were state-sponsored shopping festivals to encourage people to go back to shopping. <laughs> and why would we be having a Mercatus at this time of year? Well, one, we've just pulled in the massive fall harvest, right? So people have food at home. They've got nuts. They got fruits. They got veg. They're probably slaughtering some of their animals. Um, so they've got meats, right? They don't need to go buy anything from anybody. They got that stuff. And if they need something, they can probably barter for it. And because the work in the fields is done, people have more idle time. So again, if they need something done at home, they can get it done at home. And the Roman government was like, absolutely not. They're idle. They got plenty of money. Get into the city and buy stuff. We want you gambling. We want you taking in shows. We want you watching sporting events. Sound familiar? Is it football season, guys? <laughs> okay, so when I say that we've been doing this for a long time, trust, I'm talking about a long time. <laughs> so get out there and shop, people, for the Lord. Okay. Also on this day, we have the Dies Natalis of a cult dedicated to Deus Sanctus Sol. This is also from our Roman ancestors. Um, the Dies Natalis is always the birthday of, the invention of, the start of, the, the beginning of a thing. Um, Deus Sanctus Sol, this is literally just uh, a holiday to the sun, but we have had a few other holidays to the sun at this time of year. And of course, it's interesting to see that, but at the same time, um, uh, we know that that is those buried traces of, uh, you know, solar uh, solar cults, basically, witnessing the death of the sun culminating at winter solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, and, you know, marking these holy moments as we sort of go down, right? Also on this day, we have New Year from Roman Syria. Uh, and we've already got New Year's stuff happening this week throughout the the northern hemisphere so this is a whole season of new year festivals from, from september all the way through november all right that's everything let's move on to november 22nd all right november 22nd we have our waning moon entering cancer 
So first off, when the moon is in Cancer, it is extremely supportive of all of our magic crafting, spell crafting, ritual, any kind of magical work that we might be doing while the moon is in Cancer is really emphasized, heightened, supported, strengthened, all of that stuff. So if you engage in anything, know that it's going to have a little bit of a, a boost behind it. Um, but for this moon, I want to kind of read directly from Moon Phase Astrology by Raven Caldera. Uh, what they basically say for this moon is that we want to step up and protect the innocent. And we want to stand between them and unnecessary pain. One good way to do this is to be an advocate for people who must face down intimidating bureaucracy and are terrified by it and likely would let that terror keep them from getting their due. Another really good task is to go with someone to do something that that person finds really difficult and to give them moral support and a pep talk. This might also be a moon where we want to get super real with ourselves and ask where we need a pep talk and where we need um, somebody to walk with us into the fire and walk with us into a, a really scary or intimidating situation. Um, and, you know, are we letting our people know that? Are we letting our people support us in this place where we're scared, where we're intimidated, where we're, we're you know, really exhausted and freaked out at the same time? So we could find ourselves on either side of this moon. It might be just a really great moon to do spell crafting, ritual work, or magic on behalf of the downtrodden um, the less fortunate, people that are really up against a wall when it comes to dealing with bureaucracy and the establishment. But please, I stress, do not only do spellcrafting if you have the means to also help in the physical world. Not that it's more, it's more, obviously, um, not that it's better, but it's different and it's real help in a, in a very real sense. Like a spell on behalf of somebody is really important. A sandwich on behalf of somebody is also really important. You get me? Okay. <laughs> Again, we're moving from Taurus to Virgo in this week. So it's about put up or shut up. It really is about, are we walking the walk, not just talking the talk? Are we embodying the thing? Are we physically doing it in the physical world to whatever extent we can? That's the part where we don't want to beat ourselves up. And I'm taking a moment to talk about this here in the Cancer Moon because it's the Cancer Moon. So we could really get in our feels around this conversation. We could really get into our emotional state around this conversation. And it's important to say to ourselves, I feel frustrated here or I'm sad or I'm whatever, but I'm also going to try to make something happen on the physical plane. I'm going to try to make a difference here. For our lunar body work, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, or otherwise resting our chest, our breasts, and our lungs. And for our plant body work, we are planting transplanting or grafting for below ground or root support. Uh, okay. And there's no astrology for November 22nd of note. So we're going to move right on to the holy days of November 22nd. All right. That brings us to the holy days of November 22nd, of which there are a few. Um, now, remember, we have um, just stepped into Sagittarius season as far as tropical astrology is going. 
Um, when we look at our fixed stars, we are still dealing with a few fixed stars at the end of Libra. We're dealing with lots of stars in Scorpio, but we are also starting to see fixed stars um, in the constellation of Centaur, Ophicius, and we will begin to start to uh, see some fixed stars in the very edges of Sagittarius here in, in a few days or weeks as well. But uh, it's it's really this portion of the sky. Okay, so that brings us to our first festival of this day from our Norse and Teutonic friends and ancestors. We have the festival of Wayland. Now, Wayland's story um, is told very clearly in a lot of old Norse sources, like the poetic Edas. Um, Wayland is a smith who is enslaved by a king. He takes revenge by killing the king's sons and then escapes by crafting a winged cloak and flying away. Remember last week we had something about a Zeus-oriented holiday that had something to do with a sheepskin and a magical way of traveling and something something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, a number of other visual and textual sources clearly allude to similar stories. Um, and so... What Wayland to me kind of represents when we really dig into his Edas and the poems that speak about him and his skills is, <clears throat> again, Sagittarius biased, I realize, but I'm saying. <laughs> um, when we are moving through Aries, and I will... I will draw, I will make this make sense here in a minute. Give me a, give me a second. When we are moving through Aries season and when we are dealing with Aries energy, uh, it, magically, we are dealing with a fire in the mind. It is a fire um, that, that gives us a vision, right? We are inspired to head off in a particular direction, to forge a trail, that sort of thing. As we progress with that fire energy, it moves down into the body. And when we come into Leo season and we come into working with Leo type energy, that fire of the mind has now become a fire of the heart. And we really begin to embody the thing. We really begin to feel it on a deep personal level. We identify with it. It's not just a concept that we're sort of, you know, enraptured with, but we really become rapture, like we really live it. Um, but then we move into Sagittarius season, right? And that fire moves even further down into the depths of the body. Uh, Sagittarius energy, Sagittarius the sign, I should say, rules the thighs. And so we're bringing that fire of the mind down into the fire of the heart and now into the fire of the deepest, biggest muscles and longest bones of the body. To me, what this is very much is the, um, how do I embody my spirit? How do I take this fire that was in my mind and then move to my heart and bring it into the physical world, pass it through the loins, as it were, and produce it here in the physical world. This is part of why Sagittarius's are so crazy. <laughs> this is why we have this reputation for being kind of wild, is because we really are, some of us, not all of us, um, we're trying to embody this wild vision 
that we have in our heads. It's a very why not kind of attitude, right? Why not? Why not? Why not be this thing? Why not literally live this truth physically here in the real world? Waylon, to me, why I'm why I'm mentioning this whole thing is an iron worker. And iron is connected to Aries. And yet Wayland is showing in this, in his myth, this whole process of, um, you know, being brought to heal by a king, and then ultimately uh, taking his revenge using his own skills, using his own power. And so taking this element and really bending it to his will and making um, the magic work for him. To me, that is a huge part of the work that we actually get offered as we move through Sagittarius season. And I will talk about this more in the coming weeks, but it is an opportunity to not just witness that we have power and not just identify like I'm powerful, but now what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the power that you know that you have or that you can summon? Um, what What is that? What comes to mind for me with with this conversation also is um, The Last Airbender, uh, an incredible cartoon slash anime series. Um, if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. It is incredible. It's really well written. It's really well drawn. It's just a wonderful work of art. Um, but in that cartoon, over the seasons of it, there the main characters have a really profound, uh, prolonged conversation around what is the nature of our personal power and how does that manifest? And how does that manifest based on my character, based on who I am as a person, based on how I choose to live? How does my personal power manifest? Um, and what do I choose to do with that stuff when it manifests? Um, am I helping the world? Am I just seeking my own betterment and my own ends? Like, you know, and who's going to stop me in either way? Like that stuff. It's really fantastic. For me, that's a lot of our conversation that we're really profoundly being brought to in Sag season. And so the Festival of Wayland, <laughs> I know we really wandered off the course here, but we're coming back around. The Festival of Wayland, and specifically the myth of Wayland or his tales, really to me speak about a character that takes fundamental elements of themselves and ultimately refines them into something that they can define themselves with and save their own lives. Um, so just that. All right. Also on this day, we have the Feast of St. Cecilia from our Catholic friends and ancestors. Uh, St. Cecilia is the patron of musicians and bards. Pretty cool because we had all of that poetry and bard emphasis last week. Here's that. Also on this day from our uh, Hindu friends and ancestors, we have the Festival of Sankut Snem. And this is uh, the day before Kasi New Year, which traditionally takes place on November 24th or 23rd. Um, the Kasi calendar is based on the change of the four seasons. And um, so this is witnessing the fall season kind of coming into its fullness. Um, this is uh, an indigenous group that live in India. Um, and so today, this festival serves a dual purpose of marking the end of the year with a traditional Thanksgiving festival and also a day when the Senkasi celebrate their culture and their faith and their history. 
Um, so it's really a beautiful festival. It's marked with speeches and traditional games and folk dances and cultural stuff and eating tons of good food and handmade products and all kinds of really cool stuff. Also on this day from our Catholic friends and ancestors, we have another Michael Mass. Um, and as I said, we have several dates between September and now and also in May, as well as the 12th day of every month is also dedicated to the Archangel Michael or Machael. Um, this character is usually depicted treading on a dragon, carrying a banner and scales, hey, Libra, a sword and weighing souls, hey, we've talked about that symbolism quite a bit already, and as I said before, rules the West. All right, that brings us to November 23rd. Okay, that brings us to November 23rd, and we have our moon in Cancer hits the actual disseminating degree at 16 degrees of Cancer at 4.50 a.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day for everybody else around the planet. So we are continuing with our Cancer lunar work, remembering that we might be in our fields, remembering that we might be really called to stand up on behalf of people. And this is November 23rd, right? Two days before Thanksgiving. Does the astrology of this day help? <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. The astrology of this day, we have the sun in Sagittarius opposing the north node in Gemini at one degree. And so what we might be experiencing, what we might see other people in our immediate presence experiencing is something like a portal opening up on past lives and literally the sun being like a flashlight or a spotlight shining on these past versions of ourselves or literally past lives. So if you are a person that works with the concept of reincarnation, this could be a 24-hour-ish transit where you literally receive information or flashes about past lives. If you're a person that doesn't work with that concept, that's fine you may be receiving the same kind of experience about previous versions of yourself in this life. Okay, is that super funky? Yeah, it might be because this is Thanksgiving week. So, right, like we're, we're gonna get into that in a minute. But it's also Trans Awareness Week and Trans Remembrance Day culminating in this week as well. So how many uh, crappy family members are gonna dead name somebody? You know, like that's fully where where that kind of astrology points or this is something that I read on the Internet. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you guys dabble in the, the, the Internet, but uh, it was a meme. I wish I could remember who wrote this, but they said that when you are dealing with people, they were, I think, specifically referring to family members, but friends as well. If when you're dealing with folks who will only refer to you as your past self, or they keep bringing up that one time from the past or whatever, it's because that's the last time they felt like they had some kind of control over you. And I was like, Ooh, oh my God. <laughs> and so this sun opposed North Node may feel like folks are literally trying to relate to you through old versions of yourself. Um, and 
we've got that energy in of the cancer moon which of course is encouraging all the feels but it's also really encouraging us to stand up to authority stand up to the establishment stand up for people who are downtrodden maybe too intimidated and so you may find yourself i mean this is thanksgiving week hi hi welcome home everybody's going home whatever that means right like not everybody right but a lot of us a lot of them because not me <laughs> a lot of you all i guess <laughs> are going to be hanging out with old friends hanging out with relatives going back to your old hometown uh, going back to your old neighborhood that sort of thing and seeing people that you haven't seen in a long time um maybe people that you have avoided on purpose right um or folks that just because of everything that's been going on in the world too right uh you just haven't you haven't encountered them in some amount of time. Um, and they may still be dealing with a version of you or trying to interact with a version of you from two years ago or three years ago. So in the, in, in a very neutral sense, that is somewhat realistic because of everything that's been going on on the planet with Miss Rona. But outside of that, right. Um, this could be a really funky situation. And so what I encourage you to do a is if you see somebody getting bullied, stand up on their behalf if you have the energy, if you can put yourself in that place in a healthy way to be a buffer and to be like, no, Uncle Frank, shut the fuck up. <laughs> His name is Terry now. <laughs> and you will address him as Mr. Okay, look. <laughs> or we're not bringing the fucking mashed potatoes next year. So get it figured out. Um, you know, it might be you that needs to have that conversation tersely with a, a family member that needs to come correct. Um, but it also might be you that is on the receiving end of somebody treating you like you were your five-year-old self or your eight-year-old self or your teenage self or whatever, and really not witnessing how much you have grown and how much you have changed. And what I encourage is, A, allow yourself to feel whatever you need to feel around that. You don't have to act on your feelings, but you absolutely should honor your feelings. If you need to take a walk around the block, you're like, you know what? I'm going to drive to the store and go get more whipped cream. We've got plenty. We need more. You know, like, whatever. Right? <laughs> As I always say, it is always okay to excuse yourself from the situation and put yourself in timeout so that you can have whatever you need to have in your moment, right? We don't have to act on that stuff. But if we do act on it, I want to encourage you, do not try to fit into these old versions of yourself to please other people. Literally, lovingly set your old trophies on fire. <laughs> if anything, you're like, you thought I was that before, you should see me now. <laughs> You don't even know. <laughs> we we have exchanged. We have remodeled. We have we we have moved up and out from that whole thing into this whole other thing. And so you know, let, like I said, lovingly set your oldest trophies on fire to create a beautiful bonfire that will light up how much you have come and how far you have come from the past. Um, that is my advice for you for dealing with this this moon and this astrology. Okay, let us move on to the holy days of November 23rd. All right, holy days for November 23rd. Approximately at this time of year, we have from our Hopi friends and ancestors the incredibly beautiful uh, 16-day festival of Wuwu Chim. This happens for 16 days somewhere in the month of November. So it's potentially happening at this time of year, no matter what. Um, 
This is a really incredible ceremony. Uh, there is a lot of information about this on the internet, so we're only going to talk about it a little bit. I actually highly recommend going and checking out some videos um, and some uh, of the like more um, well put together websites out there that you know have authentic sources and all that good stuff. But uh, this is a Hopi Native American ceremony that takes place in November, and it marks the beginning of the new ceremonial year in the Hopi calendar, one. So we have a New Year's festival happening here. Um, two, uh, the name uh, Wuwu Chim is believed to have been derived from the Hopi word Wuwutani, which means to grow up. And so this festival also in includes an initiation ceremony for young men into the sacred societies that oversee this ceremony and all of the other Hopi ceremonies. So part two, we have an initiation ceremony of young men that are being acknowledged uh, as changing from children into adults. So there's that acknowledgement by the community. And they are also being inducted into um, the secret societies, basically, that hold um, the spiritual rituals and the spiritual secrets of, of the Hopi people. Um, it is a big deal. <laughs> it's a big ceremony. Um, it's obviously, right, it's 16 days. Uh, it starts with the tribal elders closing off all of the roads leading to the Pueblo, and they literally will mark the roads with uh, rows of cornmeal to show that there is a, a physical and spiritual boundary. Um, and we've talked about boundaries and edges a lot uh, in Samhain season as well. So we have that imagery of sort of reinforced here. All the fires are extinguished. Um, all the women and all the kids stay indoors. Uh, and the um, ritual takes place in the underground chamber um, known as the Kiva etc, etc. I'm not going to go into all of the details of the ritual, but um, ultimately, one of the things that happens is that this is overseen by a tribal chief who impersonates Masau, who is the Hopi god of death and the ruler of the underworld. And after these young men have undergone their initiation, as I said, they're treated as adults, and now they are allowed to dance as kachinas. Um, and they enter into um, the secret societies that that they will eventually um, develop their relationship with the Kachina that they are going to embody and dance for and all of that stuff. So that all starts here in this ceremony, New Year's ceremony, death ceremony, um, occult teachings, spiritual religious teachings ceremony, and initiatory rite of passage ceremony as these young men are now um, acknowledged as adults in their community going forward. And all of this leads up to um, winter solstice, basically. Like this all culminates at a big giant winter solstice festival and ritual. Um, yeah, really cool stuff. Woo Woo Chim, really amazing. Uh, I'm so glad that we even have that much information, but we should, I mean, I don't want to say that we should know more in the sense of uh, that I have some right to know that. I don't necessarily have a right to know that. Um, but I, I mean to say that uh, the Hopi should have never been persecuted in the first place. <laughs> so they should have been able to keep their, um, their magical knowing and their religious knowing and uh, rituals sovereign. Okay. I could go on, but, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. 
Also on this day, we have Niname Sai, which is a Shinto festival of new food. And so this is very uh, much an annual rite celebrating um, the newly harvested rice uh, and offering it to the Kame of heaven and earth, who are kind of like ancestors and gods and goddesses and heroes and heroines that have passed into the other world. Um, this is often celebrated in conjunction with the other, another Shinto festival called Akimatsuri, which we talked about uh, back in September, which sort of breaks open um, the fall season. Also on this day from our Norse and Teutonic friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of Ullr. This deity's name is also pronounced Ulder, And so, yes, it is absolutely connected to the tree Elder. Um, but Ullr <laughs> is also connected to the tree Yu. Um, Ullr was or is an archer, uh, a wizard, um, and was known for his incredibly magical transportation, skis, which people were like, this motherfucker just slides across the snow. What is going on? How did he do it? Uh, at one point in one of his myths, he's actually asked to take the place of Odin and sort of be the like head wizard in charge while Odin is off doing his uh, Yggdrasil act. Um but the connection between Ullr and yew is very interesting because yew trees were used as arrows because they're naturally poisonous. Um, and this character is an archer, so there's something there as well. Hey, wait a minute. Sagittarius, isn't that the archer? Hmm. Uh, there's something about glory and there's something about um, really being like a wizard who can come to uh, help with uh, the myths of Ullr. We will talk more about this character as we get closer to Yule. All right, that's everything for November 23rd. Let's move on to November 24th. All right, November 24th, our waning moon enters Leo. And so some of our process around understanding where we stand in a place of leadership in our lives is coming to fruition or ripeness now. Now let me pause here and say that again, or like reiterate some stuff here. All of us are leaders somewhere in our lives. All of us are looked to for guidance, for our opinion, for the, the, for what it is that we model in the world by somebody, somebody. Um, and this is a moment to kind of recognize that and to recognize like how far you have come in that conversation with yourself of, yes, I do influence people some somewhere. Um, people look to me for answers in some way. <clears throat> here's where they don't, but here's where they do. And so this moon is really asking us to model for our people what right living looks like. Um, as much as this moon is about embodying an idea uh, and physically representing that idea or process, because we've talked about that already, right? Moving from uh, Taurus to Virgo, very much about being here in the earthly plane. Um, and so as much as this moon is also about embodying the process, um, this moon is also absolutely about our 
character. Um, and so, as I said before, we're really kind of getting this challenge in this week of, are we talking the talk or are we walking the walk? Like, what are we doing? Are we, you know, going off on social media about like, if my family member ever said some shit to my family, you know what I would, and then we actually get to the turkey dinner and grandpa so-and-so is going off about Trump should have won and this and that, and we're just sitting there rolling our eyes, but we're not actually willing to, right? Okay. And again, each one of us have our own capacity for that. Each one of us have our time when that kind of behavior is healthy to engage in and not healthy to engage in. So I'm not saying that you need to be, you know, all blazing glory of righteousness at all times, 24 seven. No, <laughs> none of us need to do that ever. Um, but are you embodying the stuff that you think should be happening in the world? Are you living the life that you should be living ethically and morally. <laughs> and it's okay if you say no, I would expect all of us probably will say no. <laughs> um, but how close can we get, right? And could we get a little closer to that ideal? Again, am I just talking the talk or am I really trying to walk the walk? That thing. That's really what this moon is, is asking us to focus on. And again, it's a spicy week for that, right? Happy Thanksgiving! Okay. <laughs> All right. With this waning moon in Leo for our lunar body work, we are relaxing, resting, restoring, nourishing, supporting, or otherwise, you know, bringing it in for the back, the spine, the ribs, and the heart, our blood, and our circulation, um, all of that stuff. And for our plant body work, we are maybe harvesting, but we are definitely looking for pests and disease, and we are plowing and weeding and pruning. Um, and again, with pruning, we want to keep in mind that the light is growing dim here in the Northern Hemisphere. And so anywhere that we trim back our plants, it's going to encourage them to get a little bushier um, and maybe be a little more uh, ready for the diminished light out there. Okay. Uh, that is our lunar work for November 24th. Now, let us take a quickie look at the astrology of this day. Uh, what do we have? Mercury entering Sagittarius. It's Mercury's big adventure this week. <laughs> Mercury's making all kinds of aspects to stuff, going places, doing things. Big deal. Okay. So remember all that stuff that I said about the sun entering Sagittarius? Well, all of that stuff applies to our thinking and to our communication style. Um, we are wanting to study religion and philosophy. We're wanting to talk about morals and ethics. We're intrigued by the idea of higher education. We're intrigued by the ideas of travel. We want to talk to people from faraway cultures and get to know folks from the other side of the planet. We want to eat food from around the world. Um, it really, really, Mercury moving into Sagittarius really encourages us to expand and explore um, and to be expansive in our thinking, to be explorative in our, in our communication style. All right, let's move on to the Holy Days of November 24th. All right, let's get into the Holy Days of November 24th, starting with the heliacal rising of the fixed star Yed Prior, or Prior. This is the left hand of the serpent bearer, Ophicius. And this is that whole, oh my God, you're not really a Sagittarius, you're actually a... Hush, 
you're not really cancer you're a telescope okay be quiet uh <laughs> all the constellations are stacked on top of each other what are you gonna do um so let's look at this fixed star super quick yed prior is a linguistic hybrid of Arabic and Latin, meaning the four star of the hand, F-O-R-E, like forward, uh, the four star of the hand. And this is the hand holding the snake near its head. Now, what is the snake or what are we talking about here? If you remember last week, we talked about the fixed star Unal Unuk Alhai, positive that I'm mispronouncing that, Unuk Alhai, as the fixed star that is in the neck of the snake, aka the wisdom in the poison, right? The wisdom in the pain. Um, the thing that hurt us that we are now learning how to turn into medicine and wisdom that we either can heal ourselves with or we can heal others with. This is the big work that we do with the Chiron myth and the Chiron symbolism, which, of course, we have a Chiron transit <laughs> that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, and so this is the hand holding the snake at that spot. Um these are the stars that are basically on either side of the main stars of Centaurus, the symbol of the healer Chiron. And so what we're seeing is basically a shift from the knowledge gained with Unokalhai to putting it to use through the healing hand. Again, taking the pain, the snake bite, and turning it into wisdom, turning it into the antidote, turning it into the medicine. That's a lot of the deep work that we are ultimately doing here in the underworld journey of Samhain season is unearthing all of this yuck, all this pain, all this weird, funky bullshit that's in us and learning how to turn it into the medicine, learning it how to turn it into the compost that we are going to fertilize our fields with. Um, just that stuff. No big deal. It's all good. It's fine. This is just what Sagittarius is all about. Oh, Scorpio, you're death. Oh, you've got a skull. That's so spooky. I'm what comes after death. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm also super humble about the whole Sagittarius thing. Okay. <laughs> also on this day, from November 24th through December 23rd, we have the Celtic tree month of Elder. Um, Note, right, we have the festival of Older or Older connected to Elder, and now here the Celtic Tree Month is starting for Elder. So Elder can be damaged easily, but it also recovers very quickly and springs back to life, which brings us into that winter solstice kind of vibe. This is the month that is going to carry us through the end of uh, fall and into winter solstice called Ru'esh by the Celts. The month of Elder is a great time for workings related to creativity and renewal. It's a time of beginnings and endings, births and deaths, and rejuvenation. Elder is also said to protect against demons and other negative entities and is absolutely used in magical uh, workings connected to fairies and fae and other nature spirits. Of course, proceed with caution with all of that good stuff. <laughs> also on November 24th, we have from our Navajo friends and ancestors, the Night Chant or Night Way. Don't have a lot of information about this, but uh, the little bit that I have been able to cobble together, this is um, similar-ish 
uh, to Wu Wu Chim only in the sense of um, welcoming in the dark half of the year, welcoming in like underworld spiritual ceremony stuff that needs to happen so that the rest of the calendar year can proceed. And that's literally all I know about it. So I just know that it's happening at this time of year. Also on this day, we have little bits and traces of the Isis Osiris process still happening as well. <laughs> the lighting of lamps, etc. Um, all right, that brings us to November 25th. And let's talk about it. Okay. All right, we still have our waning moon hanging out in Leo. So we are still doing our Leo moon work. So let us move on to the astrology of November 25th, wherein we find Mercury in Sagittarius is now opposing the North Node in Gemini at one degree. When we say that something is opposing the North Node, we want to also remember that means it is conjunct the South Node, which is part of why we had all of that blast from the past stuff happening for us with the Sun opposing the North Node, because it's also conjunct the South Node. That's how the nodes work! Ugh. Um, It's always a double whammy when it comes with the nodes. It's always a double whammy. So what do we have going on with Mercury opposing the North Node, a.k.a. conjunct the South Node? Well, this can manifest in a few different ways. One, it can manifest as feeling like you are either way behind the times or way ahead of the times. <laughs> It can manifest as perceiving your thinking on things as very alien to the people around you or the times that you're in or the situation that you're in. You're like, I'm thinking about it as X and y'all are thinking about it as ABC. Like, what the heck? <laughs> um, this could also manifest as thinking a lot about and wanting to talk a lot about or receiving information and receiving messages about your past lives. And again, past lives in this life or past lives, past lives. Um, so uh, as well as, I should also say, um, thinking about being done with the past <laughs> and thinking a lot about being done with paradigms that were built in the past and like feeling very over that. Like, like, ugh, this person is speaking from just such a dead place. Like, I don't even think this way anymore. I don't talk this way anymore. Oh my gosh. Why? Um, so let me say <laughs> that meditation could really, really help with this transit in particular and all week. As I say many times, it is always okay to put yourself in timeout and go think your thoughts and feel your feelings. We do not need to act on those things. If we don't need to, we don't have to, right? Um, but it is totally right and good to let yourself think some of that stuff. Like, I just need to say this in my head. Like, I'm thinking this, you know? Um, like, I might not even agree with myself later, but right now, <laughs> I'm thinking this. Um, it's, it's important to, like, let that stuff come up to the surface. We don't have to act on it, but we do need to be authentic with ourselves. So this could be a frustrating day in that way. Just saying it. All right. Let me move on directly to... Uh, our fixed stars and our holy days of this day, because that's really all I have to say about the astrology. So on this day, we have the heliacal risings of the fixed stars, Zubanal Akrab and Jishuba. 
And these are both right on the head of the scorpion. Um, I think maybe at one point this was part of the Libra constellation, but it is very like squarely part of uh, the Scorpio constellation now. And it's funny because nearly all of the stars that are connected to the constellation of Scorpio in terms of fixed star astrology are thought of as like bad. <laughs> They're thought of as, as uh, bad luck, a bad omen, bad sign, bad stuff. But the stars that are, af are affiliated with the head of the Scorpion are all considered to be more or less like really beneficial, blessed, all that stuff. So um, Zubin al-Akrab uh, this is, as I said, the head of the scorpion. The traditional name Akrab comes from the Arabic Akrab, which means the scorpion. Um, for the whole constellation, uh, this also was part of the clause as at one point. And so, yes, this is where I'm like, maybe this was a star that was included in Libra at some point. But basically, this is the head of the crab. Um, and then Deshuba, also fixed star. This is the right claw or has been the right claw, but it's also the crown of the scorpion. And so again, it's one of those like, could be a claw, but it's probably the head, all of that stuff. The word Jabat, which is where folks think Deshuba ultimately comes from. Uh, it's an Arabic word, Jabat, means the forehead. Um, and so uh, at one point, the constellation, or this, this star was called... Iklil al-Akrab, which means the crown of the scorpion. So there you go. Um, however, another name for this fixed star is Isidis, which probably comes from the Egyptian Isis. And so it very much makes sense that we see a lot of the Isis processions and Isis veneration holidays happening around this day if, in fact, this constellation or this um, piece of the constellation was connected to that goddess. Also on this day, we have the feast, another feast, I should say, dedicated to the Yoruba slash Centuria goddess Oya. We've had a few different holidays throughout the year dedicated to Oya, and here is another one. Um, Oya is uh, connected to winds, lightning, violent storms, death, and rebirth. Um, she is similar to the Haitian god Maman Brigitte, or goddess, I should say, Maman Brigitte, who is syncretized with the Catholic Saint Bridget, as well as the Celtic Bridget. Um, in Yoruba, the name Oya is uh, coined from Oya, which means she tore. Um, she was the mother of nine, or that's another name that she is referred to as because of um, nine children that she gave birth to and all of them uh, or stillborn. And so she not only represents barrenness, which is very much a crone energy and a crone archetype at this time, um, the mother of death in a, in a sense in that way. Um, but also she is the patron of the Niger river. And so here again, we have another river goddess, another water goddess, um, also known for winds, lightning, and violent storms, but again, also death and rebirth. So lots of reiteration on this symbolism over and over and over again. Also on this day, we have from our Catholic friends and ancestors, the day of St. Catherine. This is Catherine of the Wheel. Um, this is one of the saints that supposedly counseled Joan of Arc. Um, 
And some modern scholars consider that the legend of Catherine was probably based on the life and murder of the virgin saint Dorothea of Alexandria and the Greek philosopher Hypatia, um, which reversed the roles of the Christians and the pagans. So this is possibly, St. Catherine's possibly actually a pagan who was persecuted by Christians. Um, but she is known for uh, her, the Catherine wheel. Um, she was supposed to be tortured and executed on a, a wheel, a torture device, and she broke the wheel with a touch. But I think it's important that she shows up here in Sagittarius season because... The ruling planet of Sagittarius is Jupiter, and the tarot card that is connected to Jupiter is the Wheel of Fortune. Hmm, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, as we like to say here on the podcast. Also here on 25th of Nove, we have Thanksgiving. I'm not giving any thanks. <laughs> Lots of people are not giving any thanks. Um, and there are uh, lots of things that sometimes we are required to do on this holiday. So goddess bless all of those who are required to go and hang out with family that we otherwise might not want to be with, um, to go eat food and engage in activities that we otherwise might not want to do. Um, goddess bless all of those poor souls that are required to go and work on this day who might want to actually stay home with their family. Um, there are lots of different ways to recognize the, the urge for want of a ritual or a festival or a holiday moment. And at the same time, recognizing the very foul nature of this particular holiday, right? So we can have a day of reverence. This could be a day where you educate yourself on uh, land back uh, experience or not experiences, but land back movements that are happening around the country. Um, who originally took care of the land that you live on currently is a very a respectful and awesome way of working with this energy. If you still want to have a dinner, that's fine. Maybe, um, you know, do some observations during the day, do some community work during the day, do some educational work during the day, and then have your friends and family over for dinner later in the day or at night. Take time at your dinner to talk about Native American issues and indigenous issues and rights and, and political stuff. Um, you know, I mean, it is uncomfortable. And that's, that's, <laughs> that is the poison that is the medicine. <laughs> that's the thing that hurts and heals at the same time. That is exactly our Chiron energy. That's exactly the, the fixed star and the neck of the snake. That's that thing that we've been talking about for weeks. As we move through the underworld journey, we get boatloads of ample, plentiful, juicy dump truck opportunities of, wow, that hurts. Oh my gosh, that doesn't fit anymore. Whoa, that's super uncomfortable. Yikes, that's not good. And what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Even if this is yucky, can I still love you? Even if this is super gross, can we talk about it and I can still trust you? Can we do that? Remember last week when I was asking you to be brave? Well, we have to be brave for the rest of our lives. So I just wanted to ease you in with a, as if we were just going to do it for the one week, but <laughs> turns out <laughs> let's move on to November 26th. 
<laughs> before this gets any worse. <laughs> All right, November 26th, we still have our waning moon hanging out in Leo. So we're still doing our Leo moon work there. Um, we have no holy days for November 26th, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so if you would like a day off by yourself, enjoy. <laughs> there are no gods or goddesses calling on you that I know of on this day. <laughs> so let's talk about the astrology of this day because it's pretty hefty and cool at the same time. We've had a lot of work in this month asking us to examine our pain and to turn it into something, right? And examining our pain is difficult work. Then being asked to like utilize that and turn it into something valuable that we can use, that other people can learn from and use. That's a lot. That's a lot, a lot. Sometimes all we can do is just like feed ourselves and take a shower, right? <laughs> like process things, get out of here. It's too much. So we have a really cool um, astrological aspect happening that I think is really here to show up in the midst of all of this ooky spooky work and go, hey, no, really, we're going to make something out of this and it's going to be incredible. You just got to have some patience. So what is this like mega hype, right? Okay. We have Saturn in Aquarius sextiling Chiron retrograde in Aries at eight degrees. Now, this is cool because Chiron carries a lot of the deeper energy of Sagittarius, namely being a teacher and a healer. And that thing that I was talking about before of like learning how to bend your will, learning how to make your magic actually happen in the world and like having a real conversation with yourself about what am I doing with my power? What am I doing? And as I also said last week, <laughs> um, it is much, much harder to heal things than it is to kill, to, to kill stuff, right? We, we've had that conversation. Okay. So um, this transit between Saturn and Chiron is really special in this way. This transit is also special because of Chiron's wild orbit. We don't get this transit very often. And this part is also really important. Since late 2020, just at the same time as the Jupiter-Saturn Great Conjunction, Saturn also came into sextile aspect with Chiron and has been going back and forth over these degrees all year. With the Saturn retrograde, with Chiron's retrograde, they've been going in and out of this sextile aspect all year long. We haven't had a cluster of these Saturn Chiron sextiles since 1973. Hey, Gen X, what's up? Um, Your girl was born in 1973. Yeah, I'll admit it. <laughs> admit it? I'm warning you. That's what's up. <laughs> um, and we're not going to have another cluster of these Saturn Chiron sextiles until 2035. So it's kind of a big deal that we get to work with this astrology. So what are we doing with it? Well, when Saturn and Chiron connect, especially under this sextile energy, which is very much they're on the same page, they see eye to eye, they want to work together, they figure out how to integrate their um, specific skill sets into one cohesive tool. Um, we can integrate with our needs for tradition, convention, and stability with our needs to follow our inner code 
and to heal ourselves emotionally. Just that. <laughs> I'll say it again. When Saturn and Chiron connect, we integrate our needs for tradition, convention, and stability with our needs to follow our inner code and to heal ourselves emotionally. So it's literally telling the world, yeah, 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 I get it. Rent has to get paid. But you know what? <laughs> I need to fill my cup as well. Uh, and I need to be okay with this world if you want me to continue to live in it and to support it and to help build it. With Saturn forming this sextile to Chiron, this is a time for feeling competent, effective, and secure. We have a strong sense of both tradition and innovation. We are also more able to express our unique qualities or go our own way without stirring up controversy as we act in a professional and respectful manner, but we still continue to fly our freak flag. There is no need for showboating with this aspect. We are humble. Um, we have increased realism. And we can pursue our goals with an increased chance of success. You might succeed in uh, healing, guiding, teaching, or receiving healing, receiving guidance, receiving teaching. Or, and this is how I find Chiron to really manifest when we're talking about all this very heady stuff. Like, what's the practical? How's it going to actually look in the physical world? Um, that setbacks in your youth lead to a particular life path and a very particular type of wisdom. So again, stuff from the past that was a wound that hurt you, that feel that felt like it was holding you back in some way is now coming forward to be like, here's the medicine, here's the gold, here's the, the healing from that, here's the teaching, here's the wisdom. It's really, really potent stuff um, because it is Saturn aspecting Chiron both of these planets move pretty slowly. We have been coming into this exact aspect for some time now, and it will be in aspect to Chiron for some for several days, if not a few weeks, um, after this moment of the exact sextile. But then again, this is our last one, and it's not going to happen again until 2035. Um, so, no pressure. Uh, <laughs> but... Really give yourself an opportunity to have this conversation with yourself. What are these wounds that I've been carrying and what is the medicine that I am truly receiving from them? And how can I embody that? How can I actually be that thing in the world? Okay. And then at 6, 11 PM Pacific standard time later in the day for everybody else, the moon enters Virgo. And then the very next day we are going to have our, Virgo new moon. What am I talking about? No, uh, we have the Virgo waning half moon. Sorry. <laughs> On the 27th. Um, so for those few hours of Virgo hanging, the moon hanging out in Virgo before we actually start the next lunar week, your crafts and your crafting may come forward and you might really be like, you know what? Screw this entire planet. I'm knitting <laughs> for the revolution. That's what's happening. Um, and that's completely fine. Virgo, again, is really stressing that idea of embodiment, embodiment, embodiment. Okay, let's hit the wrap up. All right, my friends, just one final shill. As a reminder, I have a podcast up on Patreon for all of my Mercury level and higher patrons covering this lunar eclipse that we are experiencing tonight. And it includes the astronomy of the eclipse, 
Magic of Eclipses, The Eclipse in Taurus, and a discussion of the Taurus-Scorpio axis in Samhain season, the lunar nodes and the astrology of the nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius and their movement into Taurus and Scorpio, and a ritual guide for working with the eclipse as well as journaling prompts for you all based on the house or houses where the eclipse is happening in your natal chart. Uh, $5 and up. Enjoy. Okay. The lunar phases that we are working with this week are moving from Taurus to Virgo. So we are embodying the current season on Earth, and we are moving into the transitional energy of mutable signs with this Sun in Sagittarius signaling the end of fall. Yes, the last four weeks of fall. We're here. For our astrology this week, we have on November 20th, Mercury in Scorpio square Jupiter in Aquarius at 24 degrees. On November 21st, Mercury in Scorpio sextile Pluto in Capricorn at 24 degrees. On the 23rd of November, we have the Sun in Sagittarius opposing the North Node in Gemini slash conjunct the South Node in Sagittarius at 1 degree. And then on November 25th, we have Mercury in Sagittarius opposing the North Node in Gemini slash conjunct the South Node in Sagittarius at one degree. Next week, we have the Heliacal Rising of the Fixed Star Antares and, you know, some other stuff, but I felt like that was really the only thing <laughs> that needed to get mentioned. Um, that's it, my friends. Take care of yourselves, especially if you're dealing with family that refuses to grow. Remember, you always, always, always have the right to put yourself in time out. It doesn't matter if anybody else understands or if it's convenient for them. Get over it, Uncle Frank. Have extra gravy. I'm putting myself in time out. <laughs> oh, blessed be, heathens. I love you so much. Take care of yourselves. Um, drink lots of water. Um, you know, go for a walk if you need to. Um breathe and make sure you do some meditation this week. Blessed be. Bye for now.